0: I'm Jahan Sharif and welcome to this week's Jaja Inn. I believe that taking the time to better understand how a person lives life is one of the best ways to deepen our connection to our own. This week I'm in a town about 20 minutes south of Seattle, Washington called Renton. It's where Ephraim Fasaha has opened up a very special coffee shop called Bun Buna. I wanted to talk to Ephraim because of how he made me feel when I visited. He didn't know me, but he treated me like an invited guest in his home. The more time I spent at Bun Bunna, the more I was able to appreciate the community that was forming there. We met last Monday evening in his coffee shop to chat about the culture of Eritrea, starting and growing a business, and the impact the rapper Nipsey Hussle had on his life. Please enjoy my very caffeinated conversation with Ephraim Fasaha, the founder of Bun Bunna. When I reached out last week, I was more uh, interested in hearing about how the cafe came to be Mm -hmm. and sort of your own personal story with it, because... So I live in L.A., and in L.A., in every place I've lived, I always find this sort of, like, place that I anchor myself to, and there's something that's common among all of them, and there is this sense of, like, community that I feel is either there or could be there, or there's something about the place that um, I just feel at home in, and I felt that when I first came here, and that's why I think I also... Kind of gravitated back is because it feels like a really safe place. Um, since then, we're talking Monday, and yesterday afternoon, unfortunately, Nipsey Hussle yeah. was shot down and uh, died. And I was surprised to learn yesterday that he's actually of, is it Eritrean or Eritrean? Uh, you can say both. I mean, it's just more of a pronunciation thing. Okay, well, he's of... Eritrean descent, yeah, Eritrean, and you are also of Eritrean descent. And right. I was wondering if
1: you had a relationship with him yeah. as well. I can say that as um, as an Eritrean, I definitely looked up to Nipsey. And even though he's a few years younger than me, I looked up to him. I mean, I've uh, it's it, it really hurt. It really hurt, you know, hearing about him being shot. Honestly, he he is someone who um, you know he was he was willing to learn from his culture and also bring that back to his city of Inglewood or to Crenshaw and to be able to apply some of the things that he's seen back in Eritrea and then also to you know show folks that, that there are so many more opportunities available for young black men as well and that you know the avenues are gonna be created and they can be created and he was doing that he was he was paving the way for so many others he's he's really a leader that we felt we can trust how is he a leader for you yeah with your own venture? yeah with with this alone even you know where his uh, views of entrepreneurship ownership of how to build how to be relentless how to continue to grind continue to hustle continue to work push forward and then also additionally another thing is the motivation motivating others because you know i mean honestly hustle and motivate was one of his songs yeah. on his last album and really it is you know you're you're i'm working but at the same time as you know you know as other brothers and sisters are you know out there trying trying to build up on their dreams to me it's like, go do it. They see me and they're like, Ephraim, you've done a great job here. It's like, okay, go do that. Let's yeah. go go do that. And so the same way that Nipsey has said, hustle and motivate, or he's given us all these amazing albums where he's telling us about how he's, you know, just so driven and what drives him. Those are the things that, if anything, I'm trying to apply into my life and then also trying to empower anybody else around mm-hmm. me in any possible way.
0: You yeah. said that, uh, you know, he took his Eritrean heritage and what he learned on his visits there and brought it back to the US and brought it back to his community yeah do you have a sense of what that looked like for him
1: and what it looks like for you yeah I mean it, he was fortunate he always says you know like you know his dad being Eritrean he was able to have African roots that he can go follow and learn about and then be able to kind of build on that and understand what that culture was like and what that culture is uh, to your community you know it is a community based culture that, you mm-hmm. know in Eritrea and in Ethiopia even, it's about those who are, who are around you as well lifting them up as well and so I believe that some of the things that I've, at least that I've gleaned from him is that you know he was able to see that in our culture and say you know what I need to go support my brothers and sisters and whenever an Eritrean would come up or you know if there was something for Eritreans he would he would be there to support Could you say more about the Eritrean culture and how it
0: fosters community and why it's important? Yeah, so... And even a little bit how it's translated to your life here in Seattle. Mm -hmm. Because there's a really big Eritrean community here. Yeah, 100% it is.
1: Let's start start back in the village. So in the village, um, let's say it's a thousand people in the village. Most of them are probably related to you. You know, it's probably anywhere from second to, you know, or first to... Seventh cousins, you know, so it's one big family. So if there's a funeral, if there's a wedding, whatever celebration or you know, even mourning that exists, the whole village comes together and shares in that Mm -hmm. moment together. Personal stuff aside, it's as a group. Yeah. Decisions are made as a village as well. So traditionally we would get in underneath the biggest tree for shade and the village uh, elders typically, both men and women, equal voting right, basically, would come together and speak to whatever issue exists in the village and that is democratically you know majority based kind of resolutions, yeah, so this is another way where we would come together to resolve issues additionally, even in the simple things like. If I get married, I am moving from my parents' home, and I am given a plot of land, and on that land, the whole village comes out to, helps me, to help me build that home. Wow. And it's free of charge, and I'm given a large plot of land also uh, to everybody else to grow my crops, and that is also free of charge. And so this sense of community, that right there is... is is. It continues on. So yeah. in the smaller thing. So now let's come to Seattle. I'm
0: also getting the sense that when life is lived that way, you can't really get far away and thinking like, Oh, I did this by myself. Never. Because you're yeah. literally living in a house that on land that everybody came together to make possible for you. Exactly. So
1: to say like, Oh,
0: this is my this is doing my? Yeah. is like mm, nah, nah. No, 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 no. Like no, no. Yeah.
1: And that is and that is it. So if we come here now to Seattle, where there is a big, you know, Eritrean and Ethiopian community who also share a similar way of life as well. as a similar culture. Even here, we apply some of those same things from back in the village. Mm. The village that was once in Eritrea now has become the city of Seattle. And then in, in, in kind of getting a little bit closer to the coffee world, a lot of uh, our socializing happens around the coffee ceremony. And that's for, you know, bare minimum an hour. Yeah. Up to three hours. Um, and that's when we get to socialize, get to hear what's going on in each other's world and it's a hospitality thing as well so let's say John you come over to our house then I would I would immediately offer you tea or coffee now if you say tea I know you're only going to be here for 30 minutes or so you're going to be in and out it's going to mm. be quick but if you say coffee hey we got a party that means we're going to take our time yeah. I'm going to be roasting the coffee I'm going to grind it I'm going to brew it for you but in this time we get like 3 hours of just catching up Yeah, and this happens with almost each group of guests that come into your home wow this social you know socializing that happens around there is really when you connect the most in this environment you've got kids you've got aunties coming in you've got Friends coming into the scene, yeah, all over the, the three hours, whatever. All over people yeah, coming by. by just to say hi. You know, I mean, maybe there's an, maybe it's just a Sunday dinner. You know, it's a sun. Let's say it's Thanksgiving. Let's say it's just a random Saturday. Yeah. You know, everybody wants to come and visit. It's a community center based approach in a lot of the households. Doesn't you know? matter if somebody's doing something else. Well, I mean, yeah. Now, now, yeah, yeah. yeah there's. <laughs> there's <laughs> it's like, man, yeah. I'm about to wash these walls yeah, exactly <laughs> Roast you some coffee. Yeah, I mean but you know <laughs> all afternoon all afternoon and, and hey, who knows, maybe they join in and help you, you know, like Good that's Family good Wood. Point. So good like point. Good Family Wood. So this is part of the experience so from the village to the city of Seattle. It's kinda of showing that connection there as to how community is such a big part and the village mentality or approach is applied even here in
0: Seattle. Ephraim was born in Jeddah, Saudi Arabia after his family was forced to flee Eritrea because of violence. They lived there for 10 years. His father worked as a technician for Saudi Airlines and when some of his friends moved to Seattle with Boeing, he took the opportunity and did the same. Ephraim arrived to the U.S. in 1988 when he was
1: five. I remember my cousins. I remember they lived in the projects in West Seattle and so we would spend a lot of our times there. Uh, The the community and all of us just like, you know, there was like, shoot, I don't remember even how many to a room, man. But it was like, you know, we were just packed in there for for the first like two, three months until, you know, we got established or whatnot. That's the thing. It felt great. It was incredible, it was an incredible time. Like, I mean, I can honestly look back and be like, man, that was a great time. Cause it's just that village mentality, It's like, oh, I'm with my family. Like, oh, they're gonna take care of me. Oh, look, we're gonna have a slumber party every night. <laughs> like, that's, that's the <laughs> mentality, that's, it was fun. You're, so, you're hanging out. I
0: was hanging out. In 2011, when Ephraim was in his late 20s, he went on a spiritual journey to the Middle East. I was really deep in my
1: theological studies and I had uncles who were monks in Israel. And we come from uh, Eritrean Orthodox or Ethiopian Orthodox, Coptic Orthodox uh, Christianity, uh, which is a pretty old uh, tradition of Christianity. And Christianity arrived into East Africa back in like 300 AD. Mm. And so it it was in that tradition that I really fell in love. I really loved the history Mm. and really wanted to study in it. But while he was there, his grandmother passed away.
0: And as this tradition, she would be returned home to Eritrea to be buried.
1: This presented Ephraim with a choice. So I said, you know what, I'm here in Israel. I was planning on going to Ethiopia or Egypt is where I was looking at going because I was I had certain things that I wanted to do uh, on that theological kind of spiritual journey. But instead I said, let me just go to Eritrea. And, you know, one, I can support the family through the morning and everything. But then, two, you know, I think I can still get one of those I'm looking for. But it wasn't until I went to Asmara, uh, Eritrea, and uh, there was a cafe where they would roast their own coffee early in the morning and use that same coffee for espresso, and it was delicious macchiatos and cappuccinos, and it was just really good, and you'd go in and the smell of coffee would just overtake you. It was just beautiful. And that became something that kind of lit a match for me. And I mean, I still continued on in my spiritual uh, journey, but at the same time, I was starting to think about coffee. And what happened was upon returning uh, from my trip, and I was there for three months, and so I really got to soak in my culture and get to soak in the lifestyle, and spent a good amount of that time in the village as well. Uh, And so living in my grandfather's house, that when I came back, I said, you know what, I think I want to do something in coffee. And because I had a finance background as well, Mm -hmm. I uh, immediately started working on my financial pro forma and business plan and, you know, a deck and kind of really starting to put the pieces together as to what it would
0: entail. So take me back to that point. Like when you did the whole assessment, Mm -hmm. how did you figure out and what did you decide was the right place to begin?
1: Yeah, so the first thing I started thinking about is, what am I going to offer? I was like, it can't just be a regular cafe. It can't be just the same, same old thing. And it's, there's nothing unique about it, right? Like, what's I mean, going to differentiate you from everybody else is going to be the question you're going to be asked. Uh-huh. And so it's like, all right, well, this is what I'm going to do to differentiate myself. One, I'm going to roast in-house. So all of my coffee is going to be roasted in-house. That's number one. Number two, I'm going to have an area dedicated to the coffee ceremony. And we're going to perform the coffee ceremony inside the cafe, and we're going to teach people about it. That's another aspect, and so I said, okay, well, you know, start building that out. And as I was building that out financially, I was looking at, it, I was like, geez, this, 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 this is not easy. Yeah. You know, spoke to a few banks, and they're like, no, <laughs> <laughs> like what are you thinking here? Yeah. You know, we are talking but, on April Fools. So. Yeah, it's yeah. April. <laughs> <laughs> I, was like, hey, I, uh, I was just kidding. Uh, but no, I mean, I was, I was, I was hopeful. And, I mean, I was like, I had spent so much time planning it out that I was like, dude, I, I, they've got to they've got see this vision now. But, of course, they didn't. They didn't see the vision. They didn't see the vision. <laughs> but, so, but them not seeing the vision didn't stop you. No, no. And that's when I pivoted. So, I started bringing in just a little bit of coffee. And I was actually tapping into some local markets for that. And I was starting to roast myself. You mean importing from... No, purchase? not necessarily at that time. At that time, initially, I was just kind of really getting coffee from those mom-and-pop shops, but yeah. then there was a few online distributors of green coffee and quality coffee. Yeah. And so I was able to start tapping into there and just started playing with that. And I was like, all right, this is this is really good. And then I started reaching out via email, phone calls to Ethiopia. I would call co-ops, I'd call farms, I didn't just start, you know, what does it take? And, you know, you know what do you guys have? And... Just just started that communication and that's that's really when I started really like searching and looking into what it would take to at least bring a small directly from from Ethiopia. Ethiopia. Yeah. And I figured okay, well, you know, that's low risk. Put out a thousand dollar for, you know, some coffee is is not as big of a risk as building out a roastery and a cafe and for all sure. that stuff. So I can I can do that. I can handle that. And, uh, and as I started kind of playing with that, you know, mom was like, "Hey, like, you know, let me get some of that. You know, you got some good stuff there." And uh, and sure enough, she loved it. And then you know, she doesn't drink coffee by herself, so her sisters are there or her uh-huh. friends are there, and they loved it. And they're like, "Ephraim, can you get us some more of that stuff?" <laughs> so I started seeing it as a potential to, at that point. One uh, little test. Your built-in test. Mm, yeah test group exactly my little test group and uh, it started working and and that's that's how it kind of started with the green coffee with the green coffee and so how
0: many years later are we now where we're Uh, actually sitting in your cafe to my left is the dedicated coffee ceremony ceremony area and to the left of that is your is your roaster yeah yeah. so I mean your vision has has come to fruition yeah come to fruition so how many years later are Uh, we that's uh, six years so in six years, six, you go... Six
1: years? Yeah, six, seven, six, seven, six, seven years. Six,
0: seven years? Yeah. And what
1: happened in between? You just built out your... Oh, man, yeah. Your, what happened in between was that, yeah, it just it was slow slow baby steps progressing each time just mm-hmm. just go ahead just so you mean like expanding the number of people that you're importing from the well, type of coffee no, that you're at that point it was really like okay buy a little bit more and just try flipping that Who were you that. selling it to again? at that time it was really like yeah it was friends and family mm-hmm. and then it started going to like one or two stores and the, some of the first ones to, to take my coffee were actually women-owned Somali businesses. Yeah. Why they, do you think? I think I think the women that I met really had a business acumen. Like, they, they could see the potential. Unlike the bankers. Unlike the bankers. They saw the vision. They saw the vision. Leave but, it to black women, because they yeah, always got your back, i yes. you. Yes. And I just said, let me leave some coffee here. Just give me a little bit of shelf space and just see what happens. They're like, okay, sure. What did it mean to you to have them take a chance on you like that? Man, I I, was so grateful. It meant so much. It meant so much because really, like, I mean, I'm not their son. I'm not, it's not family. They just see me as their son. I'm not blood, but they treated me like that. And they they could see what it is that I was doing and they were there to support me. What do you think you learned from them? I think the most important one is probably what I just mentioned, is like, you know, is is having faith in in the next person. I wanna see you win. Yeah, what does it take? What do you need? And so that's the biggest one. And of course like they're very knowledgeable, I mean, business-wise, they negotiate really well, too. <laughs> yeah, Man, it's
0: business, they're not playing business. around.
1: They're not playing around. And so to me, they taught me that, look, like, you are like our son, right? You know, we're gonna treat you, we are gonna. We want you to win, but we need you to know, like, this is how we're gonna do it, too. Like, can you go back and forth? Honestly, now, like, I'll be very honest, like, when we deliver coffee, like, we write their checks for us. Wow. Like, it's like that. Like, there's that level of trust between us all. That's amazing. You
0: mentioned uh, one of the things that you learned from them is having faith and wanting the other person to win. Mm -hmm. And I'm wondering how the other person winning also allows you to win. How is that a win-win situation? Phrased differently, what do you get out of it when the other person wins?
1: If If you're winning together, it makes the work lighter, basically. Like It allows for your name to carry to other places, and it allows for the brand to grow into other places, as well as that other person's brand to grow into other places as well. So a good way to kind of speak to that is in the coffee industry. When it comes to sourcing coffee, I mean, I could do no different than the colonials have done for the last several hundreds of years to Africa and just True. Uh, take advantage of True. gold and the people and other natural resources that are on the motherland. Or I can say, no, I want you to stay in business let me pay you extra because I know how much you're getting for from that other person. Let me give you more so you can reinvest and give me a better product. We have a longer set relationship. Let's eliminate some of these folks in the middle, even yeah, and let's bring it in directly here and start doing that. you are investing in that relationship exactly. I'm investing in them, them their success, and their land, and I'm getting a stellar product. Like it's that's a win-win. Yeah.
0: So you talked about branding and yeah. "boon Buna, If I understand correctly, means coffee,
1: coffee. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, <laughs> "boon" yeah. and Buna is coffee, and "boon" is more common in Eritrea. Uh, buna is more common in Ethiopia, but mm-hmm. it is used in parts of Kenya, parts of South Sudan. It is "boon" or Buna can be used, and even in er- Ethiopia, parts of it are. Yeah. I mean, I can make my yeah, own so. assumptions as yeah. to why you chose that name. Yeah, for I sure. But I just want to verify. Yeah. I wanted to I Why wanted to be inclusive, because the thing is, at the time, especially when we were first starting, it was focused on just East Africa, uh-huh. and especially uh, Ethiopia, you know, that was that we wanted to make sure we highlighted the birthplace of coffee. So we wanted to speak to Ethiopia that. is the birthplace of coffee? Yeah. 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 Did the word coffee that. itself, the word coffee itself comes from a village in Ethiopia called Kaffa. That's where we get the word coffee from. Yeah. Really? Yeah. That's, a, that's the birthplace of coffee. Wow. From Kaffa, it then travels east to Yemen and then up to Europe. And Europe takes it to South America and into Indonesia. And that's how it starts to kind of find... Coffee grows in this, like, belt around the world. Like, there's perfect kind of uh, temperature and a right amount of elevation. Coffee can grow. And so, yeah, it left Ethiopia to Yemen, Yemen to Europe, into South America. And that's how the rest of the world has coffee. Wow. Now you've got coffee in Mexico, you've got coffee in China, you've got coffee in a lot of places where yeah. growing, but the birthplace of coffee is Ethiopia. And so how does Buna make it? How is the name inclusive of that story? So it's... It's in the choice of using the names that are commonly used in, in that part of the world. And saying the word boon or "buna," for us it's like, okay, you're talking coffee. So now when you say boon or "buna" to me, you're paying homage almost to where coffee comes from. Cause now you're asking like, okay, what does it mean? It's coffee and it's from the birthplace of it. I'm using the name to help Shed light as to where coffee comes from. It's starting kind of the conversation yeah. and it's, it's starting education. The conversation exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That's
0: it. That's it. Yeah. So what is that like crazy. for you? Seven, six, seven years from the time that you were having your spiritual journey through East Africa and Israel, having the sense that maybe there was something there that you could do that you wanted to do, setting out the plan, executing on the vision, overcoming the obstacles, and now sitting in the vision the real
1: life version of your vision what is that like man i I wish i could say that i've had time to (laughs) take it in and really like you know shed some tears because i do sometimes get emotional when like someone's like yo you you made it happen like i heard you talk about this like three years ago you were in a tent in atlanta slinging coffee dude you know like yeah no seriously and uh I do, like, when folks say that to me, it's like, dang, because I know you saw me then, you know, and you were probably like, damn, what's Ephraim doing? Like, he's selling coffee and it's 100 degrees out here. (laughs) And that is true, but at the same time, I don't allow myself to think about that too much because I know I've got things to execute and still got to work on. You know, the one thing I think about is that, you know, anybody that comes in these doors are guests. And so, like... A good host, I need to be prepared for my guests. So if I'm, you know, in the back just crying because I'm so happy, like I'm, you know, I'm gonna lose focus. And I, and it, it's yeah, I'm just I know I know I know myself well enough to be like, yo, just contain it. You'll celebrate soon. I want to continue to just focus in on my guests that come in, and then also execute the next the next stages of this what's
0: the, ne- what's the next stage venture. the
1: vision so we've had three months thus far of this retail space uh, yeah. um, and so it's been a lot to kind of just like you know getting to meet you like getting to meet you know, so many amazing people it has been just incredible and just that has been just very fulfilling and uh, and also making adjustments and making improvements in the back bar making sure that our flow is good Um, and so just in this whole process of like just kind of taking all of these things in and seeing okay how can I make it better I've been very active in that side for the last three months and I'm feeling pretty good about it and now we're ready to move into the next phase which is our operations of the roaster. It's ready to produce some quality beans out of it. We want to make sure that it's quality, that it's good enough for us to consume here in the cafe before we put it out. Once that's done, we want to put it out into the general community here in Renton, but even expand outside of that into Seattle um, and hopefully into LA. Come down to LA? Yeah.
0: One of the things that really that you just said that struck out to me was about your mentality about serving your guests yeah. and feeling like people. And this is one thing I said that I really felt at home here yeah. when I when I first came in. I mean, like you said, Seattle has more coffee shops than any other place that I've ever been in my mm-hmm. life. Mm-hmm. But I cannot say that out of all of the hundreds of coffee shops that I've visited over my time here, I have ever felt the way that I felt even the first time I came into your shop.
1: Wow, that's that's the biggest compliment one can ever receive. That's incredible.
0: It is the truth, and it's part of the reason why I wanted to talk to you about it. Is I because I appreciate that. It is not something that I can articulate with words because mm-hmm. it is entirely some sort of like experience that I had. And It is you, it is your staff, it is the vibe that you have here, it is the coffee, and it is the people that you attract. And I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about how you have created this
1: space. That's that's amazing. I mean, honestly, if there was anything that I I thought about when I was putting this together, it was a sense of, you know, I want to... At least show a, a little bit of myself, kind of. What brings me joy, the representation of Africa in here, art that reflects that, things that make me proud, and that's my culture, my heritage. Finding people to work with, create a team that uh, is based more on character than it is really on technical skills. I want to hire based off of who you are and you know what kind of person you are versus necessarily how much coffee experience you have. We can get you to the coffee experience but i can't teach you how to be a nice person you know i can't teach you to you know treat people right those are some of the things focus on the people focus on the people i there's only two things that i think make a successful business one is great service you know how you treat people its level of respect its level of you know truly teaching treating people not as customers i think that's kind of a it's really kind of dismissive you know but treating them as a guest now it's like okay, I'm I'm ready. For, like I'm, I'm, come to our home, you know, come hang out. Tell us who you are. What are you about? You have something you want to share? Let's hear it. That. The other side is great coffee. And how do you go about getting great coffee? That's another aspect. If if there's any guilt in how I'm going about getting my coffee, then I'm gonna there's gonna be problems there. If I don't treat people right, then I'm gonna feel bad, and this is gonna show pretty quickly. Yeah. But I need to make sure that those two things are in a great place so that i can be that i can continue being proud of what it is that i'm doing here and that we're doing here right now. Yeah.
0: i really have nothing left to say i just wanted to say thank you
1: oh thank you
0: congratulations
1: man i appreciate
0: it it might be a little premature yeah. seeing as uh i know you've still got a long way to go yeah in your vision yeah. but when i tell you that you definitely have a supporter in la but having only met a couple of people work here who I've even like spotted some other people who I've seen a couple of times in my four or five times coming here and also talking to people who are in the neighborhood and even if they've not come themselves have heard about it everybody has only positive things to say and I think that's a good sign I
1: appreciate
0: it I'm so grateful thank Thank you you so much I'm Jahan Sharif, and you've been listening to Jaja In. Keep up with Ephraim and bunbona on Instagram at Bunbuna Coffee. That's B-O-O-N-B-O-O-N-A Coffee. You can follow me on Instagram at Jahan Sharif and catch up with my past installments on my website, JahanSharif.com. If you haven't already, sign up for my weekly newsletter delivered right to your inbox every Saturday morning. Be sure to join me next week for another installment of Jaja In. Thanks for listening.